Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. It's good being here. Uh, it's good being back. It has been a while since I was here last. I don't know if you remember me being here. Uh, I remember being, being here. You, you don't know me? Thanks for starting me off good. That's good. So nothing to live up to here. Uh, so uh, I'm here with my wife, Debbie, and my youngest daughter, Maggie. Um, the rest of them are going to their church, and some are married. So we have eight children, uh, ranging in age of almost 28 down to 13. Um, we do have uh, some grandchildren, and uh, we have two. We're expecting two more. So once you get past the word grandpa, it's a lot of fun being a grandpa. Uh, but it takes a little bit of time to get past that actual someone calling you pops, they call me that, um, because it feels so old, you know? Um, but I haven't had a colonoscopy, so I'm good. So I'm good, we're, we're up to date, so. Um. Okay, well you'll have to ask somebody else, so I'm not gonna answer that. Uh, so someone explained to her a colonoscopy, so somebody back there. Um, but I will tell you this, that when you speak somewhere and uh, some, if they have like a sign language interpreter, ter, when you, if you say the word colonoscopy, it looks exactly like you think it would look. So, uh, so anyway, um, well, it is good being here, you know, and I, I do kind of think about like, you know, what am I gonna share? Um, uh, because it is Father's Day. I mean, I think it's, it should be the biggest, I tell my kids, this is the best holiday even before Christmas, um, of course. They won't treat me that way. In the same way that I don't treat my dad that way. I mean, my wife and daughter were just talking right before this, and they're like, we didn't send anything to granddad. And I'm like, he's good with that. He's a dad. You know, um, I will call him today. But, you know, I, I think, and you hear those statistics every year that, like, at Mother's Day, they send, send, or Hallmark sells, like, 200 million cards. And at Father's Day, they sell six. You know, um, and they're late. Um, so, we dads are okay with that, um, but I hope I encourage you, I hope I encourage you today in not just being a dad, but maybe in being a parent or a grandparent or any kind of relationship. And I'm going to start off just by reading a portion of scripture, um, and it's in Galatians chapter 6, and uh, uh, I'm not even going to give you the context, because it's really just written to a bunch of people just like us, who are facing the same things, even though it was a long time ago. And it's pretty familiar. And uh, Paul says to the Galatians in chapter 9, it's, and really, this is a super familiar passage, but it, it says this in, cha in chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. Now, I'm going to just stop right there. Why would you have to remind anybody? Why would you say that? Don't grow weary in doing good. Because what is it? What is, what is he saying in that right there? Because doing good is hard, right? I mean, it just is. You know, that's the thing about family. That's the thing about being a dad. Being a dad is hard. Being a mom is hard. Um, you know, and, and when your kids are little, it might be exhausting, but guess what? It gets harder even as they get older. You know, and you might have children who are 50 years old or 60 years old, and it's still hard. 
In fact, here's the deal though. I don't like hard. I like easy. The easier, the better. Um, you know, I don't know why, but I remember one time uh, we travel around in a, uh, well, at least we did more so when our kids were little, we travel around in an RV um, and we would be out on the road for a long time. I mean, sometimes a couple months at a time. And it got, would get tight. And I mean, just to give you an idea of what it would feel like, it would be like, you know, like after church today, taking your family, maybe gathering in your kitchen or, or, you know, if you have a small family, maybe in a little bathroom and then staying there until Labor Day. You know, I mean, it, it will make you twitch after a while. But I remember one time we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'll never forget this. Um, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was just getting ready to go in and speak. And like oftentimes we would do, we would have our RV parked out in the parking lot, and then we would just come in the morning, maybe go back and forth, and and uh, we were parked out in the in the parking lot of this big convention center where I was going to speak first thing in the morning. And as I was getting ready, you know, I tried to when we wake up, I tried not to wake up everybody because once you start moving the RV, you know, uh, it starts shaking it, and people start waking up and. And our kids were little at the time, and, and I remember I was trying to be real quiet, you know, getting ready in, you know, in the dark, and, well, uh, our kids up front, they started waking up, and the boys started wrestling, you know, like boys often do. And I was trying to calm them down, like, just in whispers at first, like, you guys need to calm down, you know, because I, you know, I don't want to wake up everybody, but everybody's starting to wake up now, and now they're really starting to go, and they're having fun and fighting, and which is a, you know, a fine line between fun and fighting. And, they're, and it's getting louder and louder, and I'm starting to get louder and louder. I'm like, guys, I need you to calm down, because I've got to go in here in a few minutes. And, and it's getting, you know, of course your kids don't go, yes, Father, we will calm down. <laughs> you know, it just gets worse and worse. And now I'm really starting to lose it. I'm like, I got, I got to go in there and tell them how to be a good parent here. And I don't feel like a good parent. And I can remember Debbie going, kind of turning on me like, what is your problem? Why are you? I'm like, I need your help. You know, these people, these kids of yours are, you know, are driving me nuts. And I got to go in there and I don't want to go in there. And I can remember standing on the pavement, holding the door open looking into the RV, like the door, and I can remember yelling, I don't know if Debbie remembers this, but I can remember yelling, I'm going in there and telling him I'm quitting, you know, <laughs> boom, and I slammed the door, and I thought, this is too hard, I don't want to be a family man anymore, I want to be a plumber, you know, nobody cares about your pipes, no one's looking at your pipes, but when you're the family man, everybody's looking at your kids, you know. And so I'm marching in there thinking, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm done. We're, not, we're going home. And I can remember I picked up my Bible. Um, it was sitting on a stand or something. And this piece of paper slides out onto the floor. And I knew immediately that it was from my son Abraham. Now, Abe's 20 now. But when he was a little kid, he would just write. He wrote this phrase, I love you on everything. You know, I mean, if it was a flat surface, he wrote it. Dust in the dust, I love you. You know, Declaration of Independence says sitting out, he would have written, I love you, right on it. Electric bill, it didn't matter. And he had, I could tell he had taken time because he had taken a red marker and he would written, I love you. And then he had drawn a football. I don't know what that meant. But underneath he wrote, you're the best dad in the world. And it was like God took the, his finger and put it on the valve stem of my life and let all the air out, like, because I was mad. And I was thinking, this is too hard. And it was like I could almost hear his voice say, Todd, 
I know it's hard, but you've forgotten how good it is. Now, I'm here, I don't need to tell you how hard family is. I don't need to tell you how hard it is being a dad and how hard relationships are. You already know. But I need to remind you how good it is so that you will not grow weary and stop. You know, and again, here's the deal. We don't, we like, we don't like hard. We like easy and good. You know, you go down the, the, the aisles of Walmart and everything's there to make your life easier and gooder, you know, and faster. You don't have to take 30 minutes anymore. Now you only have to do th- three minutes, not even three minutes. Now you can do it in three seconds. I mean, I was at the Walmart and I was just walking by. I, I was looking, this is a, a little while back, and I was looking for some weight things. And I see this guy standing by this little, he was holding this springy thing and it. You know, and on the, the guy was big. The guy, he was a big guy. And he was holding these springy thing. And of course, you know, what do they put on the picture on the little springy thing of Mr. Universe? You know, as though he got his big muscles by doing this little thing. And this guy's looking at it. And I'm looking at him. And I'm like, I wanted to go, you're kidding, right? <laughs> That's not going to work for you. Because it's not easy to get to be Mr. Universe. It takes a lot more than a little springy thing. You know, in fact, I could write, I think, a New York Times best-selling book just with a simple title. You know, a simple title like, you know, how to be a millionaire without saving a dime. Or how to, you know, uh, how to lose 50 pounds and eat like a pig. Or, um, you know, uh, the instant guide to obedience, you know, for your children. In fact, that's kind of a, a kind of a, a book came out many years ago. And I would try to hide the title, but, but you would guess what it was. And it was How to Have a New Kid by Friday. And I remember my wife, she saw this book, and we were talking about it. And, you know, it was like in a catalog. And I'm like, I can't believe you. The guy would write a book, How to Have a New Kid by Friday. You can't have a new kid by Friday. It's not that simple. You know, there, it takes a whole lifetime. It is not, and I, was, I think secretly I was mad because I didn't think of the title. Because he probably sold a million books in a day. And I was ranting and raving, and I don't know how much long, maybe a couple weeks later, um, I opened this box that was like from Amazon, and inside that box was that book, How to Have a New Kid by Friday. And I said to my wife, I can't believe you bought this book. You know, why would you buy this book? I can't, you know, we talked about it, it's not that simple. And my wife said, well, I'd really like you to read it too when I'm done with it, Todd. And I'm like, fine. But I'm not even going to start the thing till Thursday, you know? <laughs> because why wait a whole week when you can just have a new kid the next day, you know? <laughs> But here's the truth. The truth is good things are hard. Good things are expensive. Good things are time consuming. They're exhausting. They're difficult. They're backbreaking. They're heartbreaking. They're gut wrenching. And hard things are rewarding. Hard things are fulfilling. They're worth fighting for. They're worth dying for. They bring joy. They're eternal. But I did not say they were fun. And herein lies the problem because I like fun. I like lots of fun. I like to think that family could be fun. That being a dad could be fun, you know? That you could go on vacation and it could be fun. But you know, it rarely is, isn't it? You know? Amen back back there, that's right. You just got back, didn't you? Um, You know, I remember one time we went to the Grand Canyon and uh, now when we were, we'd be out in our RV, we didn't, we didn't, like just go to the Grand Canyon we would be like out west and I, we, we'd find out that we were just a few hours away from it and so I announced to my kids I said hey we're going to go to the Grand Canyon 
We were only about three hours away, and so for three hours, my kids complained the entire time. You know how kids do. And they're like, yeah, Dad, but it's so hot. And I'm like, that's okay. We're going to have a really good time, you know. We're going to see the Grand Canyon. Well, I can see a canyon out the window. I'm like, that's not the Grand Canyon. I'm like, well, how long do we have to stay? And I'm like, as long as I say, you know. <laughs> and they're like, oh. And so they're complaining, you know. After we get into the south rim of the parking lot, you know, and you see the Grand Canyon, they're like, whoa, you know, and their little mouths drop open and they're jumping out of the RV, but now I'm mad, you know, because they wore me down for those three hours and they're all jumping out of the RV and I'm sitting behind the wheel of the steering, you know, behind the steering wheel and they're like, dad, you coming? And I'm like, I can see it from here, you know, <laughs> and I ruined our time at the Grand Canyon. In fact, I'm surprised my wife didn't just push me over the edge, you know, uh, because I could not recover. And I can remember even saying, when we got back in, you guys just make it so hard. And I wish they had heard me speak, because they would say, yeah, Dad, but it's good. You know, it is good. But here's the thing. You know, I found that these hard times that we're going through, and is it hard being a parent? Yes. Is it hard being a dad? Yes. I mean, I get letters every, not every day, but almost every day, emails every day about dads whose hearts are broken because of their children and they don't know what to do you know and, and I mean they they feel like big things you're going through those big things right now I know you are I don't need to remind you that but I do want to encourage you not to grow weary and what I found is those hard things kind of validate that what we're doing is worthwhile you know, um, it reminds me, uh, my dad, uh, in just a couple weeks, my, my parents and uh, all my, my brothers and sisters with all their kids, they're going to go over to Lake Wawasee. Some of you have been there. Um, Lake Wawasee, the biggest natural lake in Indiana. And, and uh, uh, when I was a kid, I we came as a family, and, and we would go out trolling. Now, we didn't have a fancy bass boat. We just had an old aluminum boat with an Evan Rood motor on the back, and and no trolling motor, and he would just drive it as slow as he could, and it would be pop, 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 pop. And we'd cast the line out each side, and we would wait, you know, and as we're talking, and I like doing it with my dad, and all of a sudden I'd go, oh, dad, I got something. He'd stop the boat, and I'd and it would be weeds. And I would slap him off, and and he'd pop, 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 pop. A few minutes later, I'd go, oh, I got something this time, and he'd stop it again, and this time he'd, I'd crank it in, and it would be weeds again. And my dad always said the same thing. Now, I couldn't see his face, but I knew his eyes were twinkling. And he'd say, you know what those weeds mean? And I did, but he'd say it anyway. He'd say, the weeds mean we're in a good spot. Because where the weeds are, that's where you catch fish. You know, it's kind of like life. You know, those, those hard things you're going through, dads, moms, grandparents, it means you're in a good spot. You know, in fact, not only do good things come out of those things, out of those hard times, but those hard times are transformed into the good times. I don't know if you've ever, you know those terrible vacations that you were just amening about? You know, you come back, and what do you do? Years later, you remember, how, wasn't that wonderful, you know? It's some kind of amnesia, I don't know. No, it's because the hard times are transformed into the good times. I mean, sometimes I see it. Uh, really quick. Sometimes it takes a, a while. I remember when, you know, I'm talking about Father's Day, when, when we had our very first child, Ben. Ben right now has two children. He lives right next door. 
Um, but when, he, we, when we were expecting him, you know, I was pretty much convinced uh, that we were going to both die during childbirth because it was going to be so difficult. And, and, uh, and, and my wife, uh, we went to the hospital and then we were, and she'll probably correct me on this because my details are a little foggy. Um, but we went to the hospital and she was in labor, I think, for 25 hours at the hospital. Close enough, she said. Okay, and usually I do this without her sitting here, so I can just make it all up. Um, <laughs> but 25 hours of hard labor. I mean, it was gut-wrenching, it was painful, it was traumatic. I mean, it was hard on her too. And, uh, and when it was time to push, you know, uh, it wasn't like a really quick push, it was three hours of excruciatingly painful pushing. Now when the baby finally came, you know, and I should have told you right at the beginning, that when people kept talking about the, before we had a baby, they'd talk about the miracle of childbirth. I mean, after I saw my first one, I wouldn't have used that word. I would have used the horrificness of childbirth. But when the baby finally came, you know, it was not like we were in like a birthing area, a center, uh, and, and in the hospital and these rooms around us as they gave birth it sounded like a, a a mouse ran in the room and the wife would go oh and that was it and then there would be a baby when my wife gave birth she let out a scream and she probably didn't even remember it because she was highly medicated at this time <laughs> and when she she's saying i'm exaggerating i'm not when she let out this scream at the end it sounded like her face was caught in a gear. I mean, it was just, Wah! and it went on. It was terrifying. And after they, the baby came out, you know, they held it out to me, the new father, and I'm like, I don't want to hold him. Just take him away. I'm exhausted, you know. I don't care what you do with him. Um, but she was a lot better because she's the mom. And they, you know, put that baby on her now deflating belly that was like, Psh! And uh, and as she stands, and as I'm watching her, no kidding, I, the transformation took place. All the pain, all the hardness, just like vanished, melted away. And she began to glow right in front of me. And that hardness became the miracle of childbirth. Sometimes it happens real fast like that. Sometimes we don't see it that quickly. You know, sometimes our kids see it quicker than us. I know that at my house, um, during the month of um, uh, December, we do family Advent nights. I love Christmas. I love lots of stuff and, you know, like making it fun. And I love our, our family Advent nights. We do one night a week where we'll read a little portion of scripture. We light one of those Advent candle wreaths, you know, and, uh, and then we'll have a snack and and um, I always picture them the same in my head. I always envision me, you know, like opening up my Bible and my kids all just sitting on the edges of their seat going, teach us, Father, you know? <laughs> and I'm always disappointed, you know? And even now, I mean, I think the last one, they were all laughing at me right in the middle of it. But, but I remember one time when our kids were young and we were lighting, I think it was the first candle, it was the Bethlehem candle. And, uh, the, uh, and, and I was reading that portion of scripture from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where it says, you know, the Savior was going to be born in Bethlehem. 
And I was telling my kids, I said, you know, I said, uh, Bethlehem is a Hebrew word, Bayit Lachem, or Bethlehem, or house of bread. And as soon as I said that word, one of my kids goes, hey, Dad, we're out of bread. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but I'm not really talking about that kind of bread. I'm talking about Jesus being born in a house of bread. And they're like, are we going to get any bread? And I'm like, oh, we're not going to get any right now, you know, because we're talking about Jesus here, you know. You know, and they're like, well, there was some bread in there that was all blue. And I'm like, I don't care. You know, we're not talking about bread. We're talking about Jesus. And and it goes back and forth. I mean, over and over again. And finally, I'm just so frustrated. I close my Bible. You know, we pray, finish out the night. And uh, later that night, all the kids are going to bed. And and Sam, my always smiley Sam, who's expecting his first son. um, uh, He's like, I'm turning off the lights. And he's like, Dad. And I'm like, what, Sam? He's like... That was a great Advent night. And I'm thinking, do you live in a parallel universe? (laughs) Because where I was, it was terrible. It wasn't fun. It didn't go according to plan. But somehow it was transformed in his life right then. And you know what? He's going to grow up and be an old man one day. And you know what he's going to remember fondly? Those Advent nights. He's going to remember how wonderful they were. And he's not going to understand why the ones he's having with his family are so terrible, you know. (laughs) But they'll be transformed too. Sometimes it doesn't happen real quick. Sometimes it takes a long time. Um, In fact, I I, I, I get this magazine or I would get copies of it. It's called Reminisce Magazine. I don't know if some of you have seen it. It's a magazine written for old people by old people, but I love it, you know, and because uh, it's all of heartwarming stories of the Depression, you know. <laughs> and here's a story by Harriet Beulah, um, which sounds like an old person, and, and, and it says, In the early 1930s, my parents owned a small dairy farm in Grants Pass, Oregon. As the Depression engulfed the nation, the long hours of hard work and constant worry uh, over a dwindling income took their toll on my family. She says, "My made our ladder collapse on a two. Father was forced to sell the farm, and then she goes on to say, we, you know, we made our last stand on a 200-acre spread of dry land on Laos Creek. Although we had enough to eat, food was scarce in a lot of homes. There were stories of men who took potato peelings to work in their lunch pails. The second year we lived in Laos Creek in 1932 was especially hard." The dry ground didn't yield enough for us to make a living. And near Christmas, my horse Dolly, uh, who was used for both plowing and riding, got sick and bolted from her stall and collapsed and died. Her death dampened the holiday spirit considerably, she wrote. On top of that, there was little under the Christmas tree except a couple of packages from a total stranger, bluntly marked, to some poor little girl. Uh, She goes on and, you know, and tells more tragedy. And then... She says, it was a tough time, but we made it. And what amazes me to this day is that some of my fondest memories come from those very grim years. And I thought, think, how can that be? How can your fondest memories come from those very grim years? And that is because those hard times are transformed into the good times. I mean, you moms and dads, dads whose kids are all grown up, And you remind those dads with the young kids of how it goes really fast. And that one day they're going to wish they could do it over again. And how you look back at those exhausting days and you don't remember the exhaustion anymore. You don't remember any stuff except the good stuff. 
You know? Because it's transformed. But here's my fear. My fear is that, like the verse says, you know, let us not become weary in doing good. Why would they have to be, why would he say that? Because it's hard doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, really, and we can supply and stop. That's my fear, that some of us are going to stop. You know, dads, let me just encourage you, don't stop parenting. Don't stop. I mean, I just got an, an email from a guy two days, three days ago, and he was saying, you know, he was tired of it, and he was just about ready to quit. I know that feeling. I can remember going on with one of my children, my, you know, one of my boys, strong personality, and we were just going back and forth, and I'm like, fine, if you want it that way, you got it, I'm done. And I will never forget him looking at me, and his voice kind of cracked, and his eyes misted up, and he said, don't give up, Dad, don't give up. I'll tell you, your kids might say to you, I don't like you, I hate you. You know what they're really saying to you? Don't give up. They may say, I never want to see you, I don't want you in my life. You know what they're saying? Keep fighting for me. Keep doing it because they need you because you will reap a reward. That's a promise. A promise. You know, in fact, um, uh, I was... I, I thought, you know, we really, we need each other to help each other in this. So we're going to try something. Can you move this way, just that way a little bit? Yeah, move, keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, so now we got a line down the center here. Um, we're going to do something antiphonally. Um, and, and antiphonally is, uh, I know this is not a very liturgical church, but, you know, it would be where one person says something and, and another group responds with a said uh, response like so on Easter Sunday you might say he is risen and everybody says he is risen indeed you know tastes great less filling same thing um, <laughs> but but what we're gonna do is on this side and that girl moved right in the middle of my line right there move back over there girl <laughs> thank you okay everybody on this side is gonna say it's hard ready one two three it's hard. very good a lot of volume there uh, on this side, and you're going to respond, but it's good. Ready? Good. Okay, let's try it again. It's hard, but it's good. Okay, you kind of petered out there on the end here, okay? We'll try it again. It's hard, but it's good. Now we can flip it around and say, it's good. It's good, but it's hard. Okay, let's try it all together. Ready? It's hard. You guys didn't pass. Sorry. Uh, we'll work on that. <laughs> or maybe you work on it, Jeff, with him, okay? Because uh, you look confused over there. <laughs> you know, we need each other to remind each other of that. We need moms reminding dads. You know, and dads reminding moms. And grandparents, old people reminding young people. And young people reminding old people. You know, we need each other to do that because we will grow weary and stop if we don't. Um, in fact, I remember one time I was with one of my sons and we were at a hotel. And, uh, you know, even hotels are hard with families. 
You know, we've got, like I said, eight children. We would go to a hotel, and I, our kids, you know, it just was all hard. I don't know, you know, from the moment they give us, you know, the little key cards, and all our kids, you know, have this desire to have a key card. I don't know why. We have multiple rooms, and so there's great power in owning a key card, I guess. And so we got like 10 key cards, two rooms, and in 10 minutes we've locked ourselves out of both rooms, you know? <laughs> and, when they're, and when we get in the, the, the elevator, when they were little, they would talk about, oh, I want to push the button. I'm like, okay, you can push the button. And then the other one would say, well, he got to push the button last time. I'm like, okay, on the way down, you'll push the button. And they're like, well, he got to do it. And I'm like, okay. Um, and then by the end, I'm just like, I'm the only one who's going to push the buttons, okay? Nobody's got to push the buttons. <laughs> And so it's just hard. But I remember one time I was with one of my sons, and, and boy, it was easy when it was just the two of us. And we were at a hotel, and we're there, you know, with our little bag, and, and we're standing in the lobby waiting for the, the elevator to come down. And as it starts to come down, I hear this. Um, the emergency bell started ringing, like, but it's good. It's good, Mike. And so I hear this, and I told Sam, who was with me, I said, I bet you there's some kids on there. And after just a few seconds, I could hear a deeper voice yelling at them, going, and I thought, I bet there's a dad on there too. And when it got to the bottom, the doors part opened, and there was a dad in there. And he had maybe two or three, three little kids. And they were obviously going to the swimming pool because they all had their little swimming suits on with no shirt on. Their hair was just sticking up all over the place. They looked wild, you know? <laughs> Children of the corn or something, I don't know. But I, they, and he was holding their hands like, you know, like, like they were dogs, you know? And, and uh, he the dad, you, you could tell he was only getting in if there was an emergency because he had a swimming suit and a dress shirt on, you know? <laughs> And we locked eyes as soon as those doors opened. And he looks in my eyes, and I'm looking at his, and I could hear his thoughts. And it was like, help me. <laughs> and I wish I had said, I wish I had said, it's good, sir. It's good. What you're experiencing is the best there is. Because he couldn't see it right then. We need each other to, to remind each other of that. But here's the deal. You know, not as it does, not just those things. But, um, you know, one time I was driving down a stretch of Indiana Road and I heard this song on the radio. It was by a singer, Mandisa. Now, I don't know what, what the title of the song is, but I'm going to guess it was Stronger because that was the refrain. Um, and she was singing, and this is not how it goes, but it went kind of like this. You know, I'm going through all these hard times, but I'm going to be stronger, stronger. You know, I'm, uh, these... Times are difficult, but it's going to make me stronger, stronger, you know. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, is that what it really says, that, that all these hard things are going to make us stronger? You know, I'm going to get strength from going through these. And I, I went back and I looked at my Bible, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where it says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Not will I be strong, but at that moment, I am strong. And so I looked up the words, you know, in, in the Greek language, and, and I saw that, 
You know, the, I knew the word for strength because every pastor always tells us that we get the word dunamis. That was the Greek word dynamite and dynamo. Every pastor tells us that's what the strength. And I ain't heard that. But the word for weakness I'd never heard before. It was the word estheno. And I, I thought, I wonder if we get any English words from the Greek word estheno. So I looked it up. I Googled it, actually. I found a whole list of them here. Um, asthenia is the lack or loss of strength or energy. Uh, asthenopia is eye weakness. Asthenopodia is foot weakness. And then I came across this one. Asthenophobia. Would you like to guess what that is? The fear of weakness. And I read that and I was like stunned. Like, oh, we've got it. The church in America has that. We have a fear of weakness. Because we've been told we're supposed to be overcomers. We're supposed to be on top of. We're not supposed to be under. We're not supposed to push through. We're supposed to overcome it. You know, we're supposed to be on top of this thing. We're supposed to pray so we don't, we're not down here. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when I'm going through these hard times, that's when I'm strong. Why is that? Because I believe that's the address where Jesus shows up. You know? And he does. I mean, if you look in the New Testament, whenever there was someone who was weak or blind or deaf or dead, which is as weak as you can be, Jesus showed up and did something amazing. Whenever he met somebody who was an overcomer, he seemed to chew them out. So maybe this is good to be where it's hard. You know, because it is hard. It's always going to be hard. I don't have any silver bullets for you. And no magic pills to give you. Relationships are hard. Marriage is hard. Being a dad is hard. But it is good. It is good. Well, hey, thanks for allowing me to be here. Um, we've got a table out there with some dad stuff. We didn't bring all our books, but we brought some dad books. Uh, in fact, uh, we, one of the things we have, we have a little you to dad daily calendar. Um, uh, and we're halfway through the year. So instead of throwing them away, I thought I'd give them to you. Uh, <laughs> so if you'd like a dad calendar, uh, you got six months still to use, and it comes with six months of scratch pads on the other side. Uh, so uh, you, can get, you can grab one of those out there. We have some other books out there to encourage you in your dad journey. Um, we've got some amazing dad family man hats out there as well. Uh, if your hat were or still having gotten your father a Father's Day present, this would be a good time to do it. No questions. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, I didn't think your dad was a bad singer. I mean, you did say that on there that you, he couldn't sing, but I thought he was okay. And it, but his muscles aren't that big. Uh, so, anyway. Well, I'm going to pray for you, and then uh, they'll close you out. If you're interested in more information about our church, or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.